Welcome back to the Vocational Education Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I want to share with you now a bit of an excerpt from our discussions with vendors and customers at the ITECA 2023 conference. I hope you enjoy the conversations we have. You'll hear from a few different perspectives, but I hope you enjoy. So we're here at the uh, ITECA conference 2023. Uh, yet again, we're going to expand a little bit by talking to the amazing Kevin Edel. So, Kevin, Audit Express, tell me why you're here and what you want to achieve by being here. G'day, Dan. It's always lovely to see you. And it's always lovely to see uh, all, all good old friends at, um, at the ITEC uh, or ITECA conference. Um, but what do I want to achieve? I, I've, I've been coming to the ITECA conference for about 10 years now, except for the you know, COVID years when we, there was no conference. But um, I, I've, my primary objective to coming to our tech conferences is to learn, learn about what's happening in the sector, uh, learn about what's happening in uh, private RTOs and the independent space, um, and also to be able to share uh, my knowledge and experience with other providers as well in terms of what good practice looks like, uh, what's happening in the sector as well, and uh, and collaborating and sharing ideas and knowledge and exchanging, um, uh, you know, good good um, fellowship as well. So that's uh, that's what I, that's what we want to achieve um, by by coming along to the conference. I do love the idea of fellowship, and that's what conferences are all about. I mean, you, yes, you hear from experts, you hear some new things as a as a uh, attendee, but it's about mingling with the um, providers here and seeing what they offer, and that's what you fall under. And specifically with Audit Express, one of the things I found really inspiring about your organisation is your wish or desire, I guess, to make sure that all RTOs don't walk out that door thinking they know what they're doing <laughs> with respect to compliance. Yeah, no, look, I, I always say, uh, a very good point, but I, I um, and thanks for saying uh, that, but I, I think for us it's not, I always say you, you don't aspire for compliance, you aspire for quality. And and when you when you think about what the outcome is of what we're doing, which is um, transferring our skill and knowledge to our students and our cohorts, our stakeholders, so that they get the skills and knowledge they need to get the jobs that they want, um, for, so that industry can get the, the um, skills that they need to do what they need to do. That's essentially what, what we're all about in terms of the vet sector. So when you when you focus on those outcomes and you aspire for quality, compliance falls in by itself. So you don't have to worry about compliance. I, I must agree with you. I mean, everyone says that quality is, is what even ASQA are wanting. They want student quality outcomes. So how does compliance lead to student quality outcomes? Well, I, I think compliance is the is the byproduct of aspiring for quality. So compliance compliance is you know I suppose the standards and our regulation, our legislation, contract that we need to meet to, to comply with that. And uh, as I said yesterday in my talk uh, here at the ITECA conference, compliance is binary. You're either compliant or you're not compliant. Quality is non-binary. There's different degrees and shades, and quality means different things to different people. So, in terms of uh, you know what do we need to do to comply? Well, we just need to make sure we do the right thing according to the standard or the legislation or regulation. Quality might mean something very different to, diff to different people or different um, uh, stakeholders. So, I suppose it's up to providers and organisations to define what what does quality look like. What is it that we want to achieve, and what are the outcomes that we want to achieve, and what does what do our stakeholders want, and what are they expecting from us? And so, when you when you really understand that, and you can deliver that, that's where quality lives, as opposed to uh, just complying. It's going beyond compliance. So, if I'm a um, an aspiring RTO who wants to be 
not just compliant, but now increase the quality of what they deliver to their students. How do we get in contact with you? Uh, well, you, you can get in contact with me by visiting my website and saying good day, or give me a phone call, um, or at express.com.au. Um, but uh, I suppose what I what I would always recommend for people is to um, get to, to how to aspire to quality is to really understand their, their their cohorts, understand their clients, their customers, the consumers of their skill and knowledge, which is industry, and it's also the students. And it's the RTOs that bring industry and students together to transfer that knowledge and skill, so that they both benefit from it. Uh, and so, if people want to talk to us, they can always go to www.auditexpress.com.au, or they can look me up at Kevin Eckendale on uh, LinkedIn. I don't think I think there's only one Kevin Eckendale on LinkedIn, so it should be pretty easy. There's not too, <laughs> not too many Kevin Eckendales out there, but uh, yeah, no, thank you so much, Kevin. And I will uh, post a link at least to your website or at least your email address at the bottom of the uh, podcast today. The purpose of the podcast, of course, is to capture a lot of what's going on here at Arteca, and uh, you'll definitely feature highly there, because honestly, I think quality and compliance, if everyone's not considering that right now, they, be sh- they should yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. You do an amazing job, mate. Keep it up. You are. <laughs> right. Thanks very much. Keep no worries, mate. Good to see you, mate. One of the uh, benefits of being at a conference like ITECA 23 is being able to speak to the people who are right in the centre of ITECA. And joining me now is Andrew Shea, one of the board members from ITECA. Andrew, tell me, tell me exactly how this conference has played out for you and what sort of benefit you've been seeing from the attendees. Dan, look, it's really been fantastic. The one thing we're proud about about the independent sector is the broad range of providers and the broad church of the di- different delivery areas, whether they're to um, disengage and disadvantage cohorts through to articulation to higher education, some of our uh, fantastic independent higher education providers. We cater across geographical areas, we cater across different um, demographics and get fantastic outcomes. And I think we've been able to see that through the conference so far that we're able to hear from those who have been to the top of the mountain and are experts in their own field. So there's great lessons to be learnt within the room, not only from those on the stage, but also from a community practice perspective. So um, sitting next to leaders in their own right and people who proudly uh, achieve fantastic outcomes for their students, the business partners, uh, the parents and other government stakeholders, um, it's something that makes you really proud to be part of this sector. And I think that iTech has done exceptionally well to bring all of these leaders together to share those ideas, to, uh, to help sort of rise the ocean together, I guess, and make sure they protect the good name of the independent sector, which all the data suggests is um, shooting out the lights. And on that, uh, Troy got up yesterday, uh, the CEO of ITECA, and shared some stats with us, uh, specifically about the difference between public and private providers. And I didn't see a single area where the private providers were doing less than the public providers were. So what lesson can we take from this as attendees and what should we be doing as a part of this sector? Look, I think the broader lesson is that the whole VET sector does exceptionally well. Uh, there are some challenges with structural components of training package development, of potential regulator relationships and others. Um, look, I'm proud to be part of the independent sector. I've also worked for public providers. I've worked for enterprise providers. Um, it's not an us or them. It's a matter of different providers serve different communities 
and achieve different outcomes. So I think across the board we can be really proud of the vet sector and also the broader tertiary education sector. Um, obviously, Troy, from an ITECA perspective, we'll, we'll go through proud of those statistics, and as he should in an ITECA conference. Um, but I, look, I, I prefer to speak to the vet sector as a whole and making sure that student centricity remains at the centre. I know that's a, a key premise of ITECA. Um, it's not about the institution, it's not about the ideology, it's about the student. It's about the genuineness of it, helping a student align with their aspirations and reach those career goals, whether it be personal, whether it be professional, whether it be um, the, the intrinsic good that education has itself, or whether it be the tangible outcomes through better career, better salary, um, better alignment of those ambitions of where they're trying to head. I did like one of the things that, uh, well, the, I think the theme that Troy shared with us was exactly what you said, which is student-centric. Uh, the sector has to be student-centric and how do we become student-centric? So from that, what can providers do if they're not already doing it, to become more student-centric? Well, I guess understanding the actual student voice, and I know it sounds very simple, but ask the student how they're actually, why they chose your organisation to start with. Ask the student how they found the enrolment process. Um, ensure that everything you do is a fit for the student, the student's fit for the course. Um, so through that regular touch points, getting honest feedback and giving mechanisms for um, that, that continuous improvement based on the on the, uh, the recognition of the feedback and taken very seriously and, and built into the review mechanisms in the organisation, really in helps that student voice be embedded in everything an organisation does. Um, it's, it's, you can't go into a restaurant and the chef tells you what you're going to enjoy to eat and, you, and puts it in front of you on the table. You order what's suitable for you within the parameters of what they can offer, of course. It's no different in an education perspective. We need to be customised where possible, we need to be flexible, we need to be student-centric to make sure that our success is the student's success. Uh, and the student success is what actually warrants our value from the outputs we have as an organisation. So um, it's not about the organisation, it's about the individual, it's about the group, it's about the outcomes being achieved. And the best way to do that is have that close relationship and respect the voice of the student, respect the input to the student and other stakeholders, and then act on that swiftly where there is improvement to be made. So if I could summarise that a little bit, it, it, it's for an RTO, it's about having a system when a student comes into you to make sure you're listening to them and then when the student completes with you also listening to them how the process was so you can continually improve. Would, I, would that be right? Yeah, look, I, I present on day one of the conference and it was one of the things I was talking about is a cycle success that I have in my own organisation where it's really about attracting the right individuals, attracting the right staff, making sure that you connect with them to have that aspiration align with what you're going to offer them from an education solution, keeping them engaged as part of that learning and the fire burning brightly towards meeting that end goal and that, that helps staff retention that helps minimise student uh, attrition, um, making sure that you then launch them towards that successful career or that next step. And that goes from internal staff development, that goes from business partnerships and growing into other areas of delivery, that goes from students achieving their goal of why they started studying in the first place. And the final stage of that is remaining connected. Now that connection means that they know where to come back to you from a lifelong learning perspective. They, they have that ongoing relationship, whether that be via newsletters, whether that be via updates in text messages, whether that be simply reaching into your organisation and saying, hey, I'm now taking a little bit of a different step in my career, how else can you help? Because I have that, that rapport with your organisation, I have that trust, because I know that you have my best interest in heart, because you've been asking questions, you've been acting upon those, and you've, you've met all of my aspirations as I've taken that journey with you towards those end goals. So uh, even things like this podcast or YouTube channels or other uh, information sources that the RTO itself can provide to that student afterwards 
these are things that give that lifelong learning, uh, I guess, attention or, or attraction back to the RTO that they did their training with. Would that be right? Yeah, I think, I think any, any opportunity to hear from the customer and to be able to act on that across a whole range of industries is core to a, a service deliverable and core to that, um, that genuineness and authenticity of that connection with the actual student themselves. So um, whether that be before they start their journey and asking them why they chose you as an organisation, also just as importantly, if someone chooses not to progress with you, asking them what was the factor that we couldn't meet your expectations? Now maybe it was, be maybe it was a good outcome because you couldn't deliver exactly what they wanted from a career pathway and to have that honest conversation at the start and say, look, it's not something we can offer, but potentially a, another quality iTech member or other organisation could actually meet more neatly that that need, um, it's good to have those conversations from the start. That also goes directly through to, and we heard from Professor Dawkins speak in the conference about um, measurement of success being where does the graduate end up at a three, six, 12 month mark after the fact, and are, are the training providers across a whole range of training providers meeting the industry need from filling skills gaps through qualified and competent graduates? And I think that measurable quite often RTOs don't go to that extent. Quite often they, they pull up at they're inside the tent, they're shooting on the journey, we'll make sure they're keeping on the train and we're asking questions and that's all very important, but to actually have a lens of are you aligned with industry outcomes based on what the industry says about your graduate at that later point is something that's quite often missed and it sounds like the Australian um, Jobs and Skills Australia will, will be actually collecting some more of that information which will be really interesting. Which brings me down to the last technical question for you, if I can. Uh, the TAE and FSK training packages, uh, tell us where they're at at the moment as far as you know, who's looking after them and what role you play within that. Uh, look, so the Department of Workforce, um, uh, or DIY Workforce Relations, they currently have an internal division that's taking inquiries. There is some work with the peak bodies underway at the moment about how there will be a uh, a input and a technical advisory capacity for um, for those part of community practice and peak bodies to bring their questions forward and be able to really have that voice of the RTO heard and the challenges being faced. With any training package there is fantastic intention, a lot of good people volunteer a lot of hours but when the rubber hits the road there's always some small levels of disconnect. I have no doubt that would be the same with the TAE training package as it is with all. That, that review function, whether it be from a regulatory eye, whether it be from um, what's hit different scopes of RTO whether it be from the specific wording that may be uh, less clear than was intended at the time, there will be an opportunity over the coming months to understand for greater input. Um, but as it stands right at this moment, um, people can go through their peak bodies and raise those queries that will go through to the Federal Department. And the Federal Department has specific individuals who reflect on that and will be able to put out fact sheets and otherwise. And I think that, that will be much more robust over the coming months. Um, and you know, when there is something to be announced on that, which I expect uh, not too far in the future, um, I know iTech will be making up on that um, particularly. Okay. So when you say peak bodies, uh, sorry, I did want a follow-up question yeah, sure. there. Who, who are the peak bodies for TAE right now? Uh, look, so the peak bodies for the vocational education training industry, uh, UTOA, um, to the Enterprise Registered Training Organisation Association, um, TAFE Directors Australia, uh, ITEC obviously, Independent Tertiary Education Council Australia. Uh, they're the primary peaks and then there are obviously community colleges and some other community practices um, which are both peaks and working groups. And then obviously the Australian Education Union has a, a key role to play as well from some of that industrial instrument. So look, they're the key kind of players but for anyone listening to this, speak to the networks you're part of, speak to the peak bodies if you have any queries, allow them to prosecute on your behalf any queries that you may not be able to get a clarity of answer on um, or reach out to people like myself who uh, 
uh, volunteer a fair bit of time to try and actually support individuals to overcome specific barriers uh, and also um, have a vested interest through my own um, passion for the vet sector overall to grow and prosper and people to do well. So um, yeah, just never be afraid to put up your hand and ask the question, but there will be more formal mechanisms upcoming, as I, um, which I can't speak to formally, but I expect that to be the case. Yeah, one of the things I love about you, Andrew, is that you are um, one of the people who really interact quite a lot in LinkedIn, for instance, uh, and you see the sorts of things that industry does want to talk about, and you are very quick to respond to and actually clarify positions there. So uh, yeah, from my behalf, I'd just like to say thank you very much for doing that. No, thank you, Dan, and pleased to chat with you today. Thanks, mate. We're here at the uh, iTeca conference, this is 2023, and what we're trying to do is get some information from not just our booth providers, but also the people attending the conference. And we have Michelle Burgess here from the Chamber of Commerce of Northern Territory. Hi. Afternoon. Oh, it's afternoon. It is afternoon. Um, actually, I'm really glad you're here, Michelle, because I want to ask you what you've gotten out of the conference for the last two days. Uh, the various changes that obviously the providers are needing to look at to be able to build their capabilities. Um, the, evolution, the evolution of the um, skills councils and, and where they're sitting at at the moment and what their, their plans are and obviously the, the need for the workforce planning that is going on and looking at all the emerging occupations and then how the vet sector um, is going to be able to cope, cope with that. So speaking of the vet sector, you're a part of it, so how are you going to deal with this? What are you going to take from here to apply when you get back? Uh, make more contact, obviously expose um, more of our, you know, the, the training providers that are around the Territory actually work very well together and they integrate very well with interstate RTOs to expand their knowledge and their deliverables and everything but for me it is is more bringing more people to the table and, and having those conversations to solve the issues that we've got. So from a, um, a, an ITECA point of view if you scaled this as a 1 to 10, 10 is the best thing I've ever attended, 1 is like oh, I wish I could go home immediately, what do you think ITECA is? I'd say it, it's a good eight, very good eight. So there's been um, a lot of clarification on some really key key um, points, and um, I think everybody's going to walk away from here going that that was value. Yeah, I think as an RTO myself, I agree with you. In fact, I was thinking eight as you said it, so I may have like you know just transmitted that to you while you were saying it. <laughs> but no, I agree with you. I think um, the information we've gotten from all the sessions so far has been really interesting as far as how we can apply it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Coming from the business sector, for me, one of the biggest things was is that they, they, the discussions around actually incorporating the business, what the business needs and everything, and all the RTIs, all the suppliers and everything were very respondent to that. And speaking of suppliers, how excited are we? <laughs> Prickly too sweet. We all know her, we all love her, Vanessa. Tell me about what your experience so far here has been. Dan, I have had an amazing time. I have met so many new training organisations as well as my current customers have come along and finally met them face to face. And I've sold heaps of books, the 101 assessment tips, which was number one and number two on Amazon just after we published it in February of this year. So we're really asking people to not worry about what they're learning here. It's, it's more about buy the book. Absolutely. No. Well. 
<laughs> no, it's making or at least sharing what is actually available as a support process for training organisations. There's lots of uh, booths here uh, that are consultants, so you can talk to people about the one-on-one -on -one services, but there are also a lot of interactive AI services such as mine which is an NLP just like ChatGPT except ours has structure and isn't full of BS. One thing I love about your book, uh, 101 tips, um, assessment tips, is that it's like page by page you can just go through it, you can see a particular tip and you go you know what I'm going to apply that right now. Is that the intention behind writing something like this? Absolutely, it wasn't intended to actually read from the start and you have to keep going all the way through and be one of those people that you read the end so you know how it works out, it's not a fictional book. It was definitely created so there was one thing, it has to have white spaces because the way we all read these days it's just too hard to find that time to read a big chunk of text. So it's widely spaced, it's individual tips. Each tip is only about one or one and a half pages at the max, and it really is very easy to understand. I think from an RTO's perspective, looking at that book and, and scanning through, picking a page out, and then saying, you know, do we do this? In other words, asking that question of yourself, is such an easy way to improve your um, your existing systems, you know, because we don't know until we investigate that particular point. So I think I love the book, number one. Number two is that I love the way it's set out. Number three is that, for God's sake, if you listen to this, go and buy a, a, a copy of this. And where do you buy it from? You can buy it from Amazon. You can also go on to my website, pricklydesweet.com.au, and you can request it from us. I can, if you do that and buy it direct, I will send you a signed copy, hard copy. But you can get a Kindle on Amazon. Okay, well, fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Vanessa. And we'll um, continue around the booths here at iTeka today. But honestly, I think uh, for all RTOs, if you don't know how you're assessing right now, if you're not on top of how you're assessing, this book is a wonder kind. There you go, a wonder kind <laughs> for uh, being able to just look at what your systems are right now and improve upon them. So thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. I hope you enjoyed that little snapshot of what we experienced at the iTeka 2023 conference. A lot of fantastic exhibitors, a lot of great attendees. It was a great opportunity for the private sector to get together and talk about the things that mean something to them, whether it's compliance, the future of the industry, or just getting around like-minded people to come up with ideas for the future of the sector. So we'll see you around on the Vocational Education Podcast. Have a wonderful day. Bye for now.